Well, this morning, the topic is motherhood. It's called torture to triumph. How do you like that? Torture to triumph. And as we get into this, I I just want to share with you just a, a quick happy Mother's Day. But I also want to let you know that I am no fool that when we go into this directive, that this isn't necessarily what's on the radar of the church. It's something that our society and our culture has magnified. It's always on a Sunday. And within churches, we're challenged as pastors whether to focus on it and speak to it or to let it go. Because we know that there are many of you that have suffered loss recently. There are many of you that in our church have struggled to become mothers. And yet we have seen what God has done. May I encourage you this morning as we think about those concepts, that if you fit into that pattern, whether you're a man or a woman, whatever, whatever your, your position is today, I encourage you that there is not just a grain, but there is a nugget of truth in this message for you. We're all products of mothers. I have three, and I'll get to that in a little bit. And, and each one played a different role in my life. And when I reflect on some, there's some great memories, and when I reflect on some, there's some challenging things. So understand that your pastor knows the challenge and the difficulty of this as well. But here's the thing that finally tipped me over the edge to to really speak to this. Most of what I preach about is challenging, is it not? And if we have those that are hurting today over this issue, how much better to speak encouragement to your hurt? How much better to come to a place like this than to be left to haunting thoughts. Let's exchange those thoughts this morning as we examine someone from Scripture named Hannah. Someone who went from torture to triumph. All because of God. That's where we're launching out today, this morning. Motherhood, torture to triumph. Well, as I was moving through this, you know, I know that there are some things that we've got to do in the pacing of the sermon to help us have a light laugh, a very light laugh. It might even be undistinguishable, it's so light. So I went out across that great purveyance of knowledge, the internet, and thought I would find some beautiful knowledge about moms. So see if this applies to you. Uh, This was just one. I, I neither condone nor affirm any of these statements says this, many girls marry men just like their fathers. Then people wonder why their mothers cry at the wedding. <laughs> I, I'll need some explanation on that later on. I don't really understand. Here's one that I can kind of get, but you know, as a pastor, I bristle a little bit. But I think this is, uh, I think this is a statement to the credibility of the creationist apologist in, in this theory, in this vein. Listen and see if this... Uh, if this resonates with you. If evolution works, how come mothers still only have two hands? Now let it sink in a little longer. There you go. Yes, somebody's finally grabbing. It's the, it's the word evolution that threw you off, right? Pastor said evolution. 
Last one, if, if I'm going to go down this route, I might as well pick on myself, right? And so I found this golden nugget of truth. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Let's just get into the Bible. That's what I say. This morning, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I've given you just a taste. I, I, I'm going to... What, what I want to do here is, is, is chapters 1 and 2. So write that down in your sermon notes. All right? And our life groups, as you go through it this week, you're really going to be working out of chapter 2, which is a reflection of Hannah's attitude about the entire process of what she went through. I'm going to give you a synopsis, and then we're going to go through some key verses as we look at, at this idea of how Hannah felt. Right? Now, I just used felt. Men do not tune out. All right? Just stick with me, and you'll understand your women a little bit better. So in 1 Samuel, it starts out with this whole story. It gives some lineage here, and then it talks about the fact that, uh, that Hannah is married to a man named Elkanah. Not a great, wise thinker. He's married to two women at the same time. Uh, if any of you were thinking about going there, you're going to find out that this is problematic to the large degree. And if you were, we need to talk later. So pick it up in verse 7. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Who? The other wife. The other wife who had a quiver full of children. So every year when they're going up to do sacrifices, what happens? The other wife is in Hannah's ear. Just... Did you, did you notice my son over here? How he's helping our husband? Did you notice my beautiful daughter? Did you notice, did you notice, did you notice? Tortured. Hannah's tortured. And it goes on to talk about how she wept bitterly and, and her husband gave a double portion of a sacrifice for her. Elkanah was a typical man. He tries to make up for the woman's problem, and he tries to fix the situation. And he can't. Men, this is something for us to pay attention. Sometimes there are just moments you need to just sit there and look good. Okay? Just sit there and look good. The offering is a great honor. Great job, Elkanah, but if she's not responding, don't, don't wig out. It just means that the hurt is deep, and there's really not much you can do about it. This is what Elkanah found out. Well, what happens? Hannah stays at the tabernacle. She stays at the area of sacrifices and she's praying in her heart to the point where the high priest, Eli, comes along and he sees her and he thinks that she's drunk. And it's midday, maybe even prior to midday. And so he admonishes her, and she comes correct. What's interesting is that this reflects the depth of what Hannah was feeling. The sorrow, the crying out to the Lord. Have we been there, ladies? Maybe not necessarily because of of an empty womb, but maybe because of our child, maybe because of loss, maybe because of difficulties, challenges, and you're crying out to the Lord, can you relate, ladies? 
And so Eli confronts her and says, what are you doing? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. What are you doing? What's wrong? And she explains where her sorrow comes from. Who's she praying to? Sacrifices are done. Ceremony is over. But her heart is bleeding out. And the scripture intimates that the Lord spoke, God spoke to Eli. And so he gives her some instruction. We'll get to it in a little bit. We'll work through this. But here's the end of the story, just so you can know that there's triumph. We've talked a little bit about the torture, but there's triumph in this. And look at verse 26. And she said, Oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshipped, he being Samuel, worshipped the Lord there. That's the end of the story. Now we have to fill in some details, shall we? Let's break this down. Hannah was a model mother. She was a model mother. She's someone that you can see how she handled the the challenges, the travesty, the torture that was going on, she turned to God. And God heard what happened. So let's go through this step by step. Number one, Hannah feels broken. So many women in our society today feel broken. They would love to have their own child. And they cry out to the Lord, and they cry out to the Lord. The Lord has His ways. That's, by the way, that's one of those statements. Can I just tell you, men, you've got you to be careful. Is it true that the Lord has His ways? Yes. This is one of those statements that fits in top ten things I hate to hear from Christians when I'm going through a difficult time. So, it is truth. But be as wise and compassionate as Jesus when we have the conversation. Because it's important. She feels broken. She has this great desire to have a child and she can't. What happens next? She feels overwhelmed. Elkanah sacrificed a double portion for Hannah. We see that in in verse 5. It says this, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her though the Lord had closed her womb. She feels tortured. She is scorned by Peninnah. Verse 6. I've already read a little bit of it. It says, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. It's around her everywhere. It's a reminder constantly of why she feels broken. She feels desperate. She cries out to the Lord. Verse 10 says, she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She feels exposed. She's confronted by Eli as being drunk. Look at verse 12 and 13. It says, and she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. She feels honored. Ah, the turn. Here it comes. Here it comes. Verse 17. It says this, then Eli answered, and By the way, between verse 13 or 14 and 17, this is the 
conversation where she reveals what is the genesis, the origin of her deep sorrow. And so Eli responds, and she feels honored. Listen to Eli's words, the the high priest. He says, then Eli answered, go in peace. So you see, men, where I just, I gave you an admonition, be careful. Be careful what you say. But see, Eli had some inside traitor knowledge, didn't he? For God had revealed to Eli what he was going to do for Hannah. What are his first words? Go in peace. What is the one thing that evades this poor woman? Peace. But Eli knows that he can say this statement with full veracity, knowing that God is going to grant her wish. And how does she respond? First of all, let me finish the statement out of 17. It says, And Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to Him. When the high priest says something like this, it is answered. And so what happens? She feels triumphant. She trusts the Lord. We talked about this in our Scripture today out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. She trusts in the Lord. She trusts the Lord and gives birth to Samuel, verse 18. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. We always know when someone's moved out of torture into triumph because they will eat. Well, at least I will. I will eat when I move from torture to triumph. But it's, it's even cultural. You remember when David lost his son as a consequence of his sin. He mourned for days. He would not eat. He would not bathe. He ripped his clothes. He wailed. He screamed. And then when it became apparent because of the death of the child that all of his petitioning before God would not reverse, it says that he got up, he cleansed himself, and he what? He ate. And what were his words? Because now he's a parent that's experiencing the grief of the loss of a child because of his sin. And yet, what does David do? He gets up, a complete transformation of attitude. As he sits there, cleanses himself, and eats. And people were amazed. And what did David say? He says, I will be with my child. He is in heaven. While he was still here, while there was still a possibility, I did everything I could. But now that moment has changed. Brothers and sisters, when the moment changes, it changes your heart. The question is, what does that look like when the moment changes? What does that look like? Well, we can look at Hannah and we see that because of her efforts, and by the way, this isn't as simple as, boy, Hannah experienced this right out of the gate and God solved it right out of the gate. Is that what happened? We don't know how long she went, but she went for a very long time. And we know that she'd been praying all the way back here, but God had His designs. He had His plans. And everything had to be set up. Everything had to be in perfect motion. Eli had to be there. The temple had to be ready for Samuel to be accepted and receive his training. You see all those things we can never see on the front side that are part of God's plan. So when tragedy happens, when torture is going on and somebody says something to the effect, or you read to the effect, God has a plan. 
Sometimes those words are like punji sticks under our fingernails. I want you to remember what happened here. And I want you to see the change from torture to triumph. Because Hannah realized the blessing of God. We live in a society that wants to eradicate any kind of torture. Any kind of difficulty. Any kind of sorrow. And yet, even society is starting to change a little bit on this. And realize that you know, we can never fully accept and understand and feel the blissfulness of those things that are good and right and righteous unless we have a taste of the difficulty in life. How does she finish? She feels grateful. She follows through by honoring her promise because of the Lord. And we already read this in verse 28, but let me go to this one more time. It says, Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Now how many of us knowing, raise your hand if you've known this story. You, you've, you've heard this story before. You've, you've somewhat familiar. You've heard a little bit of, yeah, a, a large portion of those in the room, we've heard it. How many of us then, and you don't have to keep your hand up on this one, but how many of us got this visualization, I did, that she just dropped him off like an Amazon package at the door of the temple and went home and, and, and kind of belabored the fact that, well, okay, I kept my word, but I'll never see my son. No. She stays there. We don't know how long for. But look at her. She's following through with her commitment. She's grateful And the very child she prayed that she would receive, she's now willing to give to the Lord. Hardest thing in the world. Right, moms? Hardest thing in the world. But she's grateful and she follows through. But what are her words that the Lord allows her to use? Excuse me, God. I'm just going to lend him to you. Okay? You take care of him. All right? I'll be back at five. Right? She lends him. You see, God is not a God without mercy, without compassion, without understanding. When there is the torture, He will, re- he will create the triumph somehow, some way. And there is a plan at work. Let's break some things down for you this morning. Three keys to triumphant mothers. Ready? So Hannah transcended torture and regaled in triumph. How do you do that? Well, number one, remember they're a reflection of your choices. Your children are a reflection of your choices. What did her child, Samuel, go on to become? He went on to become the high priest, a great man of God. That happened because she followed through with her choices. Right? So, ladies, your choice in how you raise your child matters. So I list one verse. It says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Oh, pastor, there you did it. Um, We're reporting you to the Department of Child Services. Look, I'm not even going to comment on that because I'm too much of a coward. You deal with it. But our society for decades has been saying that corporal punishment is abuse. And yet, since we have moved away from that, our children have become abusive. There is no denying that. But let's just skip that part. 
That's for you to deal with. But the other idea is reproof. To correct your child. Sometimes we don't like being that parent, do we, moms? How many of you have ever said to your husband, I hate being the bad cop. Would you engage and step up? (laughs) Oh, that was fun. That got much more return than I thought I was going to get. There was a lot of interaction between some husbands and wives in this room. That was beautiful. Now I know a little bit more about your lives. <laughs> I don't usually laugh at my own stuff. That was, that was pretty self-effacing. Reproof. They are a result of your choices, your children are. Not totally. All right? Not totally. Because Samuel's sons didn't work out too well. Now, we don't know the choices that he made. But my friends, you want to be triumphant in what it means to be a mother. The first key is, remember, they're a reflection of your choices. So raise them in wisdom. Help them understand the way that they should go. You've heard the statement, the fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree, right? That's why my children have to be absolutely perfect all of the time. I owe them all $5 now. Okay. So number one, remember that they're a reflection. Number two, remember you are not alone. Call out to the Lord, right? Do what Hannah did. You want to move from torture to triumph, call out to the Lord. 1 Samuel 1, 10 through 11, we see this. We see what she did. Ladies, understand that that calling out to the Lord was a process for Hannah, wasn't it? Sometimes it is immediate. Can I get an amen? Sometimes it is immediate. But much of the time, we would miss what God has for us if it was immediate. And He has His purposes. 1 Samuel 1, 10-11, here's this picture of what Hannah does in calling out. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow, there it is, and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, And remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. That really confuses me on that whole time that I grew up in the church where if you were godly, men, you had to have short hair above the collar. You remember that? I don't understand that. Yeah, I I, I get it. We can talk about that stuff later. But the point is, is, is number two, right? Is that remember that you're not alone. Ladies, if you're in torture, when it comes to the decisions and the requirements of being that perfect mom, let's, let's time out for a second. You saw the video, right? That video was for the women or the men in the room? <laughs> you're wise to hold your tongues. I'll do it. I'll take the bullet. It was for the men. Women, you have so much pressure on you to compete, to be, Proverbs 31, the excellent wife. God does not put that pressure on you. Be careful not to do that because you're in a competition mode. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Understand that that child that you have is a gift from God. It's a gift from the Lord. And lean on Him in your understanding and He will direct your paths. And you know what? 
there's a lot of women in Scripture and there's a lot of great godly women whose kids turned out great and they had messy houses. Dinner was not always on the table and they didn't know how to do a quadratic equation. And they're horrible artists. Right? So, gals, if you're sitting there just kicking yourself saying, I feel so inadequate, understand all the other women feel the same way. They do. But when you look to the Lord, you don't have to feel inadequate, do you? He's the only one that gets to be perfect. Can you please remember that? But learn from His extension of love. Draw upon Him in that practical outpouring towards your children. And do what Hannah did. Continually lend Him to the Lord. Continually lend her to the Lord. Amen? Alright, third point. I'm telling you, if you do these three things, then you will be perfect. I guarantee it. Remember, they're not the center of the universe. What? I just spent $5,000 for club soccer because my, my little boy is going to be the next uh, messy. We have now come into a world... Please understand what I'm about to say. This is, this is for encouragement not to get sucked into what's going on out there. We've turned into a world that is very child-centric. It's all about the children. I'm going to be very succinct with this. Miracles happen. The best thing you can do for your children is not spoil them. The best thing you can do for your children is not to exalt them. The best thing you can do for your children is to show them a real, tangible, triumphant relationship with God so they see that in action. It's not just words. Secondly, that if you have that opportunity to be with the father of your child, and I know that there are many who don't right now, but if you do have that opportunity, make that relationship first. Make that, they, they feed off the security of knowing that you two are solid. They won't need Disneyland and 4,000 channels of cable, a giant smartphone that can laser lock down the house and track your parents. <laughs> well, that one, they might need that. I don't know. And this is the passage that I appeal to in this idea. By the way, when I say don't make them the center of the universe, am I telling you not to love them? Thank you. Just wanted to make sure we're tracking together. Jesus answered, the most important is, by the way, he was asked, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's the Shema. And then he says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That is primary. That is where you've got to be. And then the second one is what? And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment greater than these. Did you see the priority that Jesus put here? So God is the center of your universe. Amen? And when that happens, and when it's lived out in a practical sense, moms, 
You don't have to compete with the other moms. And you set up a beautiful, beautiful foundation for your children. Let me give you a couple other practical things. Three keys to triumphant mothers. Ready? Remember they're a reflection of your choices. Remember you are not alone. Call out to the Lord. Three, uh, remember that they are not the center of the universe. Now that's all deep, heady stuff. I just thought of something afterwards while I was writing it. I don't know if it was from the Lord. It probably wasn't, but I put it up. Number four, remember coffee, not alcohol. (laughs) God gave us coffee for a reason. And I went this morning to get mine. There could be no greater proof of this point. The line to Starbucks was in the street on Mother's Day. I had to go to 7-Eleven for cheap, lousy coffee. I'm bent. Oh, yeah, I know. Get over it. You know, the sad part about this is that there are a lot of moms out there that are medicating, are just getting through the day through with alcohol. This is not what God has planned. If you know that person, if you are that person, God does not want that pressure on you. And you don't have to compete. He understands your frailty. He understands the difficulty of it all. Just reach out to someone in this church. It would be confidential, 100% confidential. And let someone help. We have families here that take kids and run away into the Himalayas. That's not sounded wrong. I just started saying take kids. I'm like, no, they don't take your kids, but they'll have them over to give you a break. Do you need a break, moms? Maybe you need a break from your husband. I don't know, but that's more counseling. Please be careful. And if you know someone in this situation, reach out to them. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to come alongside an individual struggling on this level with practical help. Don't just come with words. Come with some practical help. Amen? Finishing up, remember to teach them how to count. Thank you. I told you, some of this stuff is going to take a little bit. You see what the top title is? Three keys, and there's now five. Okay, so. Nah, now you, now you, yeah, okay. You know why I do that? Because there's a few of you out there, when I do something like this, if I list four and it said three, I'm going to hear it during the week. So I'm just covering myself. Yes, yes, one of them shaking his head right now. All right, let me leave you with this. A triumphant mother is what? unconditionally faithful unconditionally faithful first in her walk with the eternal father then to others secondly uncomparably wise wise in spirit wise in work wise in speech wise in rest moms you've got to give yourself some time to rest it is not selfishness if it goes for four weeks it's selfishness but you need some time to rest. Otherwise, all this other stuff is going to fall apart. I'll be preaching that point for a half hour on Father's Day. (laughs) Undoubtedly committed, regardless of crisis, regardless of disregard, regardless of results. Wow. You know, moms suffer in silence a lot of the time. But I want you to think and I want you to consider, regardless of the torture, how faithful they were for you 
or how faithful they've been for your children. On and on it goes. I mentioned my three moms. One mom gave birth to me. One mom raised me. And another mom blesses me. Over and over and over. You never know what your role is going to be as a mother. It's exciting. But let God direct that role. Let me leave you this morning with these words. First of all, a verse of encouragement for moms that are in the battle is Galatians 6, 9-10. through 10. And I, I didn't include it in your notes. I, I want you to go look it up. I want you to go look it up because I want you to underline it. And it basically says, do not grow weary of doing good. For in its right time, it will yield a harvest. It will yield a harvest. Women, let me give you one more thing. And then we'll close with a, a, a statement that's interesting. You've been asked to raise your children in the Lord. But at some point, they're a freestanding moral agent. They answer to the Lord. They answer for their actions. They answer for their own choices. You have a small window of influence. Make it count. Make it count. Let mothers labor to make home the happiest place in the world. If they are always nagging and grumbling, they will lose their hold of their children. And the boys will be tempted to spend their evenings away from home. Home is the best place for boys and men. Oh my goodness. Wow, i got a lot of teaching to do. Home is the best place for boys and men. And a good mother is the soul of the home. The smile of a mother's face has enticed many into the right path. And the fear of bringing a tear into her eye has called off many a man from evil ways. The boy may have a heart of iron, but his mother can hold him like a magnet. The devil never reckons a man to be lost so long as he has a good mother alive. O woman, great is thy power. See to it that it is used for him who thought of his mother even in the agonies of death. Let's pray and dismiss this morning. Again, if you have brought your offerings, I'm going to pray over that blessing right now. And it's as you exit the day. I pray that you are encouraged and lifted up by the message. I know, and I did not try to hide, obviously, from the challenges of what we deal with this morning. But I pray that you're encouraged by what you saw. I pray, women, that you understand that God wants you to move from torture to triumph and He'll give you something to hold on to in the midst of all of that. Man, I hope that you heard and listened and understand your role in helping her be a good mother. It's all about turning to God and knowing that He will direct your paths. Let me close in prayer. Father, today... We honor our mothers. We think of them. If they're still with us, Father, I pray that we are able to verbalize, to share with them, to encourage them, lift them up today. That if we're children here today, that we reflect and think about the power of mom. 
But Lord, even now, I want to pray a blessing upon all women here in this room. You know their hearts, and their hearts may be very much like Hannah before. They may be very much like Hannah after. But you know their hearts. So I pray that Your Spirit speaks to them and leaves them with the thought that You sent Your Son to die for them. They are of great worth to You. They are established. They are affirmed. They are foundationally seen as beautiful and worthwhile and brilliant as evidenced by the willingness of Your Son to die for them. Lift their spirits, Father. And let them know the God who honors mothers. Father, we pray today over the gifts that have been brought. Use them to your glory. Use them mightily. Multiply their effectiveness. Bless the giver. Let them give with great joy. To you be the honor. Let us magnify you this week. And again, we pray over our outreach as these gifts go out to these moms that are hurting Be with the messenger. Let us bring light to those that are in dark places. To you be the glory, Father. Amen.